No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Jeremiah writes a letter to the captives in Babylon, telling them to build houses and seek the peace of Babylon. God's thoughts towards them are good. In 70 years, he will bring them back to their homeland. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Jeremiah chapter 29 on Simply the Bible. Not only did Jeremiah have a ministry in Jerusalem, he also ministered to the people who were taken captive into Babylon. We continue in Jeremiah chapter 29. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. This happened after Jeconiah the king, the queen mother, the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. When King Nebuchadnezzar invaded Jerusalem for the second time in 597 BC, he took captive King Jeconiah, a.k.a. Jehoiakim, his household, his mother, and certain priests, prophets, and others, a total of 3,023 people. Word had reached Jeremiah in Jerusalem that some of the exiled false prophets were predicting a speedy collapse of Babylonian power and a return of the captives to their homeland. So Jeremiah wrote a letter to the exiles to correct this misinformation. In fact, Several letters are mentioned in this chapter. The letter was sent by the hand of Elisa, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Not much is known about these messengers who carried Jeremiah's letter to Babylon. Correspondence like this was common in those days, for there were regular diplomatic missions between Jerusalem and Babylon. This was likely prior to the rebellion of King Zedekiah against King Nebuchadnezzar, which occurred later in Zedekiah's reign. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. The exiles were carried away captive because they had disobeyed God and refused to repent. Even today, people are carried away captive by their sins. For Jesus said that whoever sins is a slave of sin. In Bible imagery, Jerusalem represents the city of God. And Babylon represents the world system, which is in rebellion to God's rule. Those who are held captive by their sins leave the community of God for this world. But this world is condemned and will soon pass away. Now, in this case, God had caused them to be carried away to Babylon. This was a season of discipline for his people. But false prophets in Babylon were misleading them. 
They were telling them that God would soon break the power of King Nebuchadnezzar and they would go back to their homes in Judah. Therefore, the people were in a state of limbo. But God wanted them to accept their circumstances and thrive in the land. So they were to build homes and settle. They were to plant gardens and trees and eat the fruit. They were to get married and give their daughters and sons in marriage. They were to have children and multiply. As they had increased in Egypt, so they were now to increase in Babylon. This wasn't a pleasant time for them, but this was God's will. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. I am quite sure that the Jews did not have warm, fuzzy feelings toward King Nebuchadnezzar and their Babylonian captors. They were uprooted from their homes and driven from their homeland. They could no longer worship the Lord in his temple. Now they lived among pagan shrines in an idolatrous nation. Their sentiment toward Babylon is captured in Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept. When we remembered Zion, we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. O daughter of Babylon, who are to be destroyed, happy the one who repays you as you have served us. Happy the one who takes and dashes your little ones against the rock. So that was their attitude toward Babylon. And Jeremiah writes to them and says, look, seek the peace of Babylon. Now, this was not a popular message and the very last thing that they wanted to hear. But God said, look, if you will seek the peace of Babylon, then you will have peace. So you seek the peace of Babylon, pray to the Lord for it so that I might bless you there in the land. And we also are to pray for those who are in authority. Listen, we may not like the current administration. We may not like the next administration. It really doesn't matter. We're still commanded to pray for our leaders and to even pray for those on the opposite side of the political fence. Why? Because as our nation is blessed by God, we will be blessed by God. If our nation has peace, then we will enjoy peace. 1 Timothy 2 says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants everybody to be saved and righteousness exalts a nation and therefore we should be praying for those who are in leadership that God gives them wisdom and helps them make right decisions and if they don't know the Lord that God reveals himself to them that they might escape the blindness of sin and Satan. Verse 8, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you nor listen to your dreams, which you cause to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. So whether it was in Jerusalem or here in Babylon, there was this problem of false prophets 
speaking lies, saying, look, I had a dream and, and, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar's power is going to be broken. We're all going to go back home, you know, and it was all a bunch of lies. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. Now, this is interesting because Jeremiah told them exactly how long it would be. Daniel, at this time, had been in Babylon for at least 10 years. Being in the court of King Nebuchadnezzar, as he was, no doubt he was aware of Jeremiah's letter and took it to heart. Daniel would still be serving in Babylon in the king's court at the end of the 70 years, and he would earnestly pray for the deliverance of the people based upon this prophecy of Jeremiah. God gives us prophecy and promises in his word so that we may pray with faith and confidence that our prayers will be heard and answered. Verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. This is one of the greatest verses in the Old Testament and a favorite of many people. Listen, the devil wants to convince us that God is against us, that he is just waiting to whack us into oblivion because of our sins. But understand that these people had been disobedient and idolatrous and rebellious and stubborn, yet God still loved them. His thoughts were not against them, but for them. Yes, God was leading them through a most difficult time of discipline, but this was only because he needed to do a greater work in them. God's desire was to bring them peace and give them a hope-filled future. His heart is the same toward you and me. Jesus desires to give us his peace that the world cannot give. And we just need to open our hearts to him and believe in him and ask him for his peace to fill our hearts. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God desires that we call upon his name, that we pray and that we seek him with all our hearts. Now, let's be honest. Many of our prayers are half-hearted or they lack faith. But there are those times when we are desperate for God. We are desperate for him to answer prayer. Something is going seriously wrong. Maybe it is a sickness uh, that we are afraid somebody's going to die that we care very deeply about. Or maybe there's just major financial problems that we're going through and we are desperate for God's answer and his help. Then our prayers take on a, a much greater intensity and focus and wholeheartedness. And if we would see God do marvelous things in our lives and the lives of our loved ones, and even in this generation, as we would pray for a spiritual outpouring, a revival, then we need greater desperation in our prayers. We must seek the Lord and search for him with all of our hearts. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. Now, this was partially completed after the 70 years in 538 BC when King Cyrus of Persia issued the decree that the Jewish captives 
could return from exile. But this prophecy also looks down the centuries to the end of the age following the rise of the Antichrist and then the second coming of Jesus Christ. Then God will gather his people from all the nations where they are scattered and he will bring them back into the Holy Land, thus completely fulfilling this prophecy of Jeremiah. The devil would lie to us and seek to convince us that God is not good or that if we surrender our lives to him that he will ruin our lives. That is blasphemy. The truth is that God's thoughts toward us are never to harm us, but to bless us, to give us a future, to do the best thing for us. Even through troubled times, God is for us and not against us. And every commandment of his is either to protect us or provide what is best. Now, if we will trust in him and keep his commandments, then he will form Christ in us and bring us into that glorious paradise that he has prepared for those who love him. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good God. We thank you, Father, that whoever we are, you have good thoughts toward us. I just pray that we would listen to your word and not to the lies of Satan, who would seek to convince us that you are not for us, but against us. Lord, may our hearts be open to you. May we seek you and find you as we search for you with all of our hearts. And may we call upon your name in truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify and please leave us a review. On Monday, we will return to the book of 2 Chronicles, where God allows Egypt to attack Judah because King Rehoboam has forsaken his law. But Rehoboam's response is surprising. We hope you'll join us as we continue teaching through God's Word on Simply the Bible. We'll be right back.